last Sunday, we started a brand new series for the new year. I was really impressed in my heart, and, uh, and we're calling it Determined. Determined. Say Determined. determined. Praise the Lord. And uh, about three weeks ago, the Lord began to stir my heart up as I was praying about these messages and what He wanted me to do. You know, there's a, as a minister, there's a, there's a thousand and one things, as they say, you could teach on. There's so many topics, so many subjects that you could teach on, you know, as a pastor. But I like to get the mind of God on what he, what's on His heart should be on our hearts. Amen. And I began to, to, to see a pattern as I was praying in the Spirit. Now, most of the time when I receive direction, particularly when it comes to what I'm going to share on, what I'm going to minister on, you know, I want fresh bread from heaven. I don't want to just pull a sermon. I've preached thousands and thousands of sermons through the years. Amen? Since 1982. Thousands of sermons. But I want fresh bread from heaven. Fresh bread from heaven. And I began to see something form in my spirit as I was praying in the spirit, praying in other tongues. You know, like Paul said, I will pray with the spirit and I'll pray with the understanding. I'll sing with the spirit and I'll sing with the understanding. And, you know, it's one of the great benefits that we have as, as believers that are filled with the Holy Ghost and pray in other tongues is because it gives us the ability to pray in a supernatural language that you didn't learn at some university. <laughs> That's what so amazed me back in the day when 1970, or 1980 actually, when I was filled with the Holy Spirit in a bright and red crusade. And I was filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke with other tongues. I was so fascinated by that. I thought, how is it I can speak in this language I never learned before, you know? I remember going to my, I was just out of high school. I went to my job the next day. And I kept wanting to go into the bathroom, take bathroom breaks, you know, to go back there and use that language. I go back there, I'm like, oh man, I didn't learn this language, it's supernatural. So every time you pray in the Spirit, it's a supernatural reminder of the supernatural power of God that lives on the inside of you. Amen? We never want to take that for granted or get used to it. Amen? Hallelujah. How many of you pray in the Spirit, getting able to pray in other tongues? I'll tell you, it's a supernatural language. Yes, it sounds like you. Because it is your voice. But it's God giving you the utterance. He's giving you the syllables. He's giving you the words whereby you can speak. In fact, I'll just say this right now. If you would like to be filled with the Spirit after the service, you come up here and you let us know. We have a private place. We'll take you back here uh, in one of our rooms back there. And somebody will pray with you for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit and receive your heavenly prayer language. It's just that simple. Amen. So I'll mention that again at the end of the service. So anyway, I began to pray in the Spirit, and I began to see a pattern, and I thought about, and I'll just mention these for the sake of time, but as you go through, these are just some of the major people that you're aware of that are in the Old Testament. For example, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, David, Esther, Elijah, Elisha, just to name a few. Now, we know that there's more characters in the Old Testament. And then I came over to the New Testament and I began to see people like the Syrophoenician woman, blind Bartimaeus, the woman with the issue of blood, the man that was carried on a stretcher by four friends and tore a, a, a hole through the roof. Remember that? The centurion servants healed, Jairus' daughter being healed, Zacchaeus, Peter, James, John, Paul, and then Jesus. Okay? And uh, every single thing, there's something common about 
every one of these people that I just mentioned, there's something common, a common thread throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it was this, it was their determination and their persistence in the face of obstacles. Their determination and persistence in the face of obstacles, roadblocks, adversity. Okay? And they pressed through it. They pressed through it. Think about, for example, Abraham, the father of our faith. How that Abraham was promised to have a a child when he was 100 years old, him and his wife. Now, they couldn't have, they didn't have children when she was in her 30s or 20s. Because she, she, was, she was barren. But God came along, you know the story, and I'll just, just for quick reference, that God came to them and made a covenant with Abraham and said that you're going to become a father of many nations. And your wife, Sarah, who's basically your age, is going to have a child, and she's about 100 years old. Everybody say impossible. <laughs> now, in the natural, that's impossible. All right? But see, they face adversity. God even changed his name from Abram to Abraham. God put his initial in there, which meant father of many nations. Matter of fact, when the angel appeared and and said that that Sarah was going to have a child, she laughed. Remember that? It was not the laugh of faith at first. It was not. She's like, are you kidding me? I couldn't have kids when I was in my 30s, let alone now 100 years old. Okay? Now, they had to be persistent and they had to be determined to overcome the obstacles and the roadblocks because God gave them a word, God gave them a promise, you know. And every time that God gives you a word or a promise, it will look look ridiculous from the natural as far as you receiving. It will look ridiculous. (laughs) I can't wait to get into this today. Now last week, we began to talk about some some of the things. Um, We talked first and foremost about blind Bartimaeus. Uh, I'm not going to go back into this for the sake of time today because there's some other territory that we want to cover. And we said that how that in Mark chapter 10, this is a story about blind Bartimaeus, how that he was a blind man and he heard about Jesus, that he was coming through that area that he was at. And so there was a crowd of people there, you know, and he began to cry out. He began to cry out for Jesus. And the people around him said, shut up, be quiet. Remember that? And, um, but the Bible says that he lifted his voice all the more. And the Bible says Jesus heard his voice, stood still, and he beckoned him to come to him. Now the very people that were criticizing him, saying, shut up, leave him alone, don't mess. They said, the master's calling you. <laughs> now they roll out the red carpet. What hypocrites. But blind Bartimaeus was being chastised by the common people because he raised his voice. But you know what? When you're, when you're blinded, you want to see, and you know that Jesus is the healer, you'll do whatever it takes. Amen. So you're, there, there's, well, there was obstacles. There was things in the way in the natural that tried to hold him back from receiving. But he pressed in and he received his healing, did he not? And then we see in Luke chapter 5, we see the story about the man I just mentioned a few minutes ago that was... Uh, crippled, that couldn't walk. He was on a stretcher. But he had four crazy, wild friends that just were crazy about God. Everybody needs some wild, crazy friends that just trust the Bible. Just believe it. I've got some friends, and they're few and far between. But I've got some, some people in my life, ministers, friends, and so forth, 
that they're just wild and crazy, but they just, they just take the limits off. Amen. Amen. You know, the Bible says in the book of Psalms that the Israel, uh, the children of Israel, it says they limited the Holy One of Israel. They turned back, tempted God, and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Is it possible to limit God? Yeah, it is. We know in Jesus' own hometown in Mark chapter 6, He said He could there, not would there. He said He could there do no mighty works because of their unbelief. Uh, you know, if, if Jesus had control over His miracle ministry, He know He wanted to put on a good show in His hometown. But it says that He could there, not would there, He could there do no mighty work because of their unbelief. And He could only lay His hands on a few sick people, the Greek says, with minor ailments. That's sad, isn't it? Yet he would go to the next town and they just, they were, they were welcoming him and they received him. He was able to do mighty signs and wonders because they received him. Their, their attitude was, oh, that's Joseph's son. That's the carpenter. He grew up with us. And Jesus said, a prophet is without, not without honor except in his own hometown among his own king. Amen? Amen? And sometimes that's the case. You know, sometimes relatives don't understand. Amen? I know when I answered the call to my life, some, some of my relatives are still around today. They basically laughed at it. They said, he can't even talk in public. He can't even do anything in the natural as far as speaking goes. Well, they don't know the God that I know. Amen? And uh, today we're going to look at, go to Matthew chapter 15. And we're going to look at two examples today of someone that had resistance now, the name of this series is Determined. Say Determined. This is the biggest key. Now, this is what we're talking about here. Determination is the biggest key when it comes to receiving from God whatever it is that you desire and whatever it is that you want, whether it's healing, deliverance from something, you know, a financial miracle, someone in your family, you know. And I'm so glad that the New Testament is so diversified because it shows different types of of miracles, you know, not just one type. There are people that needed deliverance for their children. Okay? There are people that needed, you know, deliverance in their body. They needed set free is what I'm trying to say. Alright? But in Matthew chapter 15, we're going to look at a woman here, the Syrophoenician woman, and let's look at her determination. Now again, we're not looking at these scriptures as a history lesson just to see, okay, this happened 2,000 years ago. We're looking at it as principles that they operated in that we can apply, take it to ourselves, and use it in our lives to be determined. Amen? How many of you know what it's like to be determined? You've got to be determined. You've got to dig your heels in, so to speak, no matter what it is. Hallelujah. Even Jesus said, the kingdom of God suffereth violence, but the violent take it by force. Amen? Amen? There, there's going to be opposition. There's going to be violence that comes against you, but the violent take it by force. That's us. We can rise up. Brother Hagin used to say this. He said, God wants us to have the backbone of a crowbar, not a jellyfish. I get that. Spiritually. Amen. Not cave in when temptation comes. Not cave in when, we, when it looks like it's not working. Praise God. I, I've never yet, in all the years, I've been a, I've been a Christian since 1976. Memorial Day weekend as a youth, 1976, the bicentennial year, I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I've prayed about a lot of things. And I'll tell you, everything that I've prayed about, everything I've asked God for, I had resistance 
when it came to receiving what I was praying for. There was resistance. The first type of resistance is the thought that will come to your mind, God's not going to answer your prayer. He didn't hear your prayer. How many of you ever prayed about something that thought came to you? You didn't feel spiritual. You didn't have a goosebump. There was no special feeling involved. Then I'll tell you what, when you press through that, some of the greatest miracles I have seen in my life personally have come when all the natural, there is no feeling whatsoever, yet supernatural things took place. Amen? One day I was asked as assistant pastor in, we lived in Colleen, Texas, Fort Hood to be exact, and we were assistant pastors, my wife and I, in a church down there in 1983 and 1984. And we were asked by the church to, uh, we had several responsibilities, you know, it was a large, large church, about 1,500 people, and um, so they had us doing everything, I mean just everything. And one of the things we did is we visited people in the hospital that were sick that wanted someone from the church to come and pray for them, you know. And uh, we walked into this hospital that was about 30 minutes away from where we were. And there was a lady in there we had never met before, but evidently she had been to the church. And we walked into this room, this hospital room, and she was in a room by herself because of the bed that she was on. Now, I'd never seen this before. Now, those of you then in this room, you would have a medical background, you would understand this. But she had a severe case of uh, arthritis throughout her body to the point where they laid her on this bed and they had these contraptions that were all, it was like she was nailed to this bed and the bed would move and move sideways. I don't know what that's all about, but they, you probably know you're being a nurse. Okay. What would that be? What's that? Okay, there it is right there. I knew that, but I was just... <laughs> and uh, the only thing she could move was her mouth when I was there. She had all the, I'd never seen anything like that before. I thought, man, that looks like it hurts. You know, that's not like a sleep number bed there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and she looked at me. She says, Pastor. She, all she could move was her eyeballs and her mouth. And she said, and I, I looked at her. I thought, she looks like she's in really bad shape, you know. And uh, she goes, Pastor, I have rheumatoid arthritis, and I, I'm in so much pain, I can't handle this anymore, you know. And she says, I called the church, and so thank you for coming and praying for me. She could barely talk, okay. Now, my wife and I were there. This is long before we had children. We, uh, <laughs> I looked at her, and I thought, this is one of the first people, that, I think it was the first person I actually prayed for for healing in the church when we were there. And I'm thinking, why couldn't it be somebody with a head cold or something like that? I'm, I'm thinking this, you know. That's just natural thinking, right? Well, immediately, see, that was my head talking to me, you know. This looks difficult, you know. And immediately, the Holy Ghost started talking to me. Not with these ears here, but inside me. He said, that's nothing. That's nothing. I already paid the price for her. Yeah, it's no big deal. And uh, he goes, talk to her like that. This is no big deal. This is nothing for God. All things are possible, you know. So we began to encourage her in the Word of God. I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to lay hands on you. The Bible says in Mark chapter 16 that believers will lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. James chapter 5 talks about, you know, is any sick among you? Let him call for the leaders of the church. Let them pray over them, anointing with oil in the prayer, in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Amen. So I, we just shared some scriptures with us. I said, now we're going to lay hands on you in Jesus' name. And so we did that. Now, now I say that to say this. 
that there is absolutely, now sometimes you'll feel an anointing. You'll physically, sometimes I feel that. But you don't have to feel it in order for the word to work. There was no sparks flying. There was no special feeling whatsoever. We laid hands on her in the name of Jesus. Now, from all probability, what we looked when we got done praying with her, she looked exactly the same. There was no physical change whatsoever. None at all. Okay? Well, we just did what the word said. We laid hands on her. Thank God we're not moved by what we feel. We're, moved by, we're, not, moved, we're not moved by what we see. We're moved by the Word of God. And so uh, a week later, about seven days later, we're on a midweek service. It was a Wednesday night in this church at Grace Christian Center in Colleen, Texas on Elm Road. <laughs> I remember this. It was a Wednesday night. And on Wednesday nights, they would have a, a Bible. St- actually, we, my wife and I would train new believers, people that just got born again, and we would take them up to this classroom. They had a school as well in this church. And we would go up there and we would teach them for an hour while the other church members had their service in the main service, okay? So we would do that. So the pastor did his thing, did his announcements. He's dismissing everybody. We're walking back the center aisle right after worship. And, uh, and there's uh, three sections, one on the left, one in the middle, one on the right. I was walking back on the left section. And somebody yelled at, Pastor Keith. Okay, this is when he just dismissed everybody's walking back, you know, between the services here. And I looked and I saw a woman I did not recognize her. And we were, okay, everybody ever, anybody ever call you out before you're like, they call you now, but you don't know who they are? <laughs> I didn't know who she was. So she goes, come here, come here. So we just had a couple seconds to do this. She goes, I know you probably don't recognize me. She goes, but I'm the woman that was in the hospital. You came over and your wife prayed for me. She goes, I was divinely healed. She goes, look at me, I'm healed. And I thought, wow, I did not even recognize her at all. And she goes, she had tears in her eyes. And I'll tell you, she goes, not only was I healed, she goes, you didn't know this, but she goes, I was delivered from, from smoking too. She goes, I was addicted to cigarettes. And she goes, God delivered me when you prayed for me, and you didn't even know that, but I was, I was divinely healed and delivered. Praise the Lord. Well, I, I tell you, I learned something from that. I thought, Boy, if I was to go by my physical feelings, we're talking about being determined. If I was to go by my physical feelings, now Dan, I know you've been in the healing ministry a long time. You've probably seen some things where you, initially you didn't see anything. It looked like nothing happened, but all of a sudden something happened. Amen. After all, James, or John chapter 3, verse 16, believing comes before receiving. Amen. Amen. For God so loved the world that He gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? Now, how many of you know that you don't have everlasting life or eternal life before you believe? It says, whoever believes on Him shall have eternal life. So the believing comes before the seeing or the manifestation. Jesus even said, didn't I say unto you that If you would believe, you would see the glory of God, talking about Lazarus. Amen? While I'm on this subject here, I'm not going to charge you for this. I'm going to throw this in here extra this morning. Just playing with here today. But I saw something in my spirit that last week when I was praying about some things. And uh, the word evidence popped up in my spirit. 
It jumped up inside my evidence, evidence, you know. Now, if you're in a court of law and you have evidence of a crime or something like that, you know, that's going to stand in the court of law if you have evidence, right? Evidence or proof that something took place, all right? Now, let's apply this in the area of divine healing, for example. What is the evidence? I'm asking a question. What is the evidence that you are healed? Well, pastor, I feel better. The pain's gone. The congestion's gone, the whatever it is, it's gone, so therefore, I'm healed. That's not the evidence that you're healed. The evidence that you're healed is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Say evidence. evidence. Faith, or the Word, is the evidence that you are healed. So if you're looking to your body... now. There have been times in my life where I've asked, if I asked my body this question, body, are you healed? My body would say, nope. <laughs> now, I have a little bit of experience in this. If I asked my body, body, are you healed? My body would say, nope, still hurt, still pain, so therefore I must not be healed. No, if I asked my body that question, my body can lie to me. But I go over into the next room, pull out my Bible, and I say, Bible, am I healed? And the Bible says, by his stripes, you were healed. Here's, now this is so simple, but yet so many Christians miss it in this area. The evidence that you are healed, for example, is not your body saying, oh, I feel better. That's the byproduct of what you believe in your heart. Amen? Now, anytime I've ever been healed in my body, and I'm telling you, praise the Lord, anytime I've been healed in my body came when I believed what the Word said in spite of what the doctor's report said. Amen? And I had some terrible, horrible reports from the doctor, from the natural. From the natural, I shouldn't even be here today. Okay, we'll not go into that. But you know what? When you're under pressure and you face adversity and you, you face different things in life, what's in your spirit in abundance is what's going to come out of you. What's in the abundance of your heart when you're under pressure? If you take a dry sponge and you press it and you press it, the only thing that's coming out is air. But if you take a dry sponge and you put it in a big bucket of water and you let that thing soak and you pull that sponge out and you put pressure on that sponge, guess what's coming out? Water's going to come out. You're like a sponge. Your, your spirit is like a big sponge. And what you have in your spirit when you're under pressure, whatever is in your heart is going to come out your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Jesus said that. Amen? So, now this isn't our subject here, but I wanted, I felt led of the Lord to say this. What evidence do you have that you're, you're healed? The Word of God. And if you're looking for the body to, first of all, if you're looking to the body to sh change and show up, you're looking to the wrong thing. Does that make sense? Yes. Well, if it doesn't make sense, it makes faith. I heard someone say that. It makes faith. You have to believe in your heart before you see it manifest in the natural. Praise God. 
Now, Matthew chapter 15, we see a, a lady here that had opposition here. We call her the Syrophoenician woman. I'm going to look at this in two different versions here this morning. Praise God. Some of the greatest miracles that you will receive in your life will come with nothing but faith in your heart and believing with your heart when your head's saying, it's not working, it's not going to work. Your head will be screaming at you, it's not working, it's not working. The devil will say, you don't have enough faith, you don't have enough word, you haven't prayed long enough, you haven't done this, you haven't done that. Do you ever have that happen to you? There's times you could pray all day long and the devil will say, you still didn't pray long enough. Amen. He's just a liar. But notice here in Matthew 15 verse 21 says, And Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Lord, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. In other words, she was demon possessed. Now she's coming for her daughter. But he answered her not a word. And the disciples came and besought him, saying, Lord, send her away. She crieth after us. Now, that's, that sounds nice in the King James. Another translation says, she's bothering the heck out of us. Get rid of her. <laughs> now, the King James is a little nice. But if you read it in some of the other translations, she's bothering us. Get rid of her, the disciples said. Not only that, Jesus ignored her. Do you see the opportunity to become offended here? Now this is just the start. We're going to see something else here. <laughs> she could have become so offended, it would have stopped the power of God from flowing in her life. Now she needed a miracle for her daughter. But notice in verse 22, O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with a demon. But he answered her not a word. In other words, he ignored her. And his disciples came beside him, saying, Lord, send her away. She crieth after us. Verse 24, But he answered and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. All right. And uh, she came, and notice this, she worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. She was persistent. She was determined. Okay. But notice verse 26, it just gets worse. It, he answered and said unto her, uh, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. Now he's calling her a dog. First he ignores her, and then he calls her a dog. Now, po folks, you know, we live, in an era, we live in a time now of political correctness, you know. Can you imagine Jesus on the 6 o'clock news, how they would have crucified him? Think about that. But, but what's, what's going to happen here? He, verse 26, he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. He calls healing the children's bread here. And verse 27, notice she didn't say, You have offended me terribly. I'm taking you to court, Jesus. Jesus answered, or, or verse 27, there it is. Here's her response. She said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. <laughs> now here's where Jesus makes a 180. He said, Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it unto thee as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Praise God. Now let's go over to Mark and let's see the same, same uh, 
Mark's account of the same situation here. I like this. Mark 7, 25. This gets better and better, I'll tell you. <laughs> That's one thing nice about the four Gospels is because uh, the same scenario can be read in other accounts and you get a little more clear of a picture of what's, what's being said here. Verse 25 of Mark 7, it says, A certain woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him came and fell at his feet, for she was a woman of Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out from her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the, let the children first be filled for it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. All right? And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat the crumbs that, uh, uh, that eat from the... Let me read that again, verse 28. She answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. All right? Verse 29. And he said unto her... Now here's what I want you to see. For this saying, say that. So she said something here. For this saying, go thy way, the devil has gone out of your daughter. And then verse 30, and when, he, when she was come to the house, she found the devil gone out and her daughter laid upon the bed. So her daughter was demon possessed. All right. And we're talking about determination, praise God. Whether it's, you know, whether it's in the field of sports or any arena of life, you have to be determined to win. You have to be determined to win. Amen? On that football field today, there's some determined people down there. There's some people in the seats that were determined to press through the cold weather. <laughs> Amen? Praise the Lord. Notice the phrase. Now, it said in Mark here that... that uh, Verse 29, Jesus said this, For this saying, go your way, the devil has gone out of your daughter. Say for this saying. Now, this, this, this really spoke to me because what are we saying? What are we saying? There's no hope. She's always been this way. She's been this way for years. And uh, if, if she would have talked like that, then she would not have received her miracle. Now, she pressed through this because the, the truth of the matter is Jesus was sent to the house of Israel first. Then it was going to be taken to the Gentiles, which is most of us. Okay? But it had to start with some group of people. And Jesus wasn't being crude or rude. He was just being, this is the truth. They were considered dogs. Okay? But notice that even the dogs got in on the covenant when they pressed through. People without a covenant. People that were not Jewish. We're not covenant people. They pressed in and they received a miracle. So first of all, Jesus ignored her. Amen. That's the first test. And the second test is, you know, I'm not going to give meat to the dogs. Now she's being called a dog. Can you see the opportunity to become offended here? Everybody? To become offended. And that's something that all of us, all of us have to be really careful is that we do not allow offense or being offended by what someone does or doesn't do for us. Okay? Because offense, off-ended, for example, is, means it tips over, off-ended. Okay? One day, you know, years ago, we were moving from one apartment to the next apartment. We had a bunch of stuff in our the back of a pickup truck that we borrowed from somebody in our church way back in, when we were living in Texas. 
We're going down the highway. We made a turn, and everything that was in the truck tipped over. It was upended, up upended, and it went over onto the highway. That was not a pretty feeling. There goes the box spring, the mattress, everything, you know, because it, it, I thought I was going slow enough, and I wasn't, and it tipped over, you know. Well, spiritually speaking, we can become offended and it tips over our faith from working effectively in our lives. Amen? See, I just I make a choice on a regular basis. I refuse to become offended. I refuse to hold ill will, animosity, ill will towards anybody or unforgiveness. I will not do it. I choose not to walk in unforgiveness. I choose to forgive. Now, I might remember what somebody did to me or didn't do to me, but I'm not going to hold that against them. You see what I mean? Because I'm not going to let... I'm not going to let that person steal my blessing by becoming offended. Anybody here ever had the opportunity to become offended before? Just raise your hand, a few of us. Okay. Okay. Now, whether that person knew it or not, sometimes they don't know that you become offended, you know. And boy, you know, uh, either way, there's still a punch to it. You know what I mean? But the Bible talks about not becoming offended. Amen. In the book of Psalms, do not allow yourself to become offended or hold ill will towards, in other words, walk in forgiveness. And I, I've made a choice. I said, Lord, I forgive people from my past. I forgive people from my present. And I forgive people in the future that haven't, things that haven't happened. I make a choice because I'm going to walk in the blessing of God. See, it used to bother me, scriptures where Jesus said, pray for those that persecute you. Bless those that curse you, you know. That's not one of those scriptures I want to plaster on my refrigerator. You know what I mean? I thought, why? You're just trying to make it hard on us. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Isn't that in the Bible in the New Testament? Well, the Lord's not trying to make it hard on us. He's trying to keep us in the blessing. Keep us in the blessing. Amen? And I want to stay in the the blessing. Because here's the truth about it. When, when we get offended by what somebody does or doesn't do to us, that can make us get to the point where we make decisions based on an offense that happened. And that, that offense is causing us to make choices. I've done this myself. And it's a dangerous place to be because then you have offense leading you or pushing you or driving you to make a choice or make a decision. Amen. But if you decide, I refuse to become offended. Amen. Now, you don't have to know somebody. You know, I've known people, for example, that are offended at the government. I mean, no matter who's in government, no matter who's in the president, I mean, I've seen it on both ends. Where people are like offense, offended. See, you don't have to know someone to hold unforgiveness towards them. I was talking to a guy years ago, years ago. It was in my church. And he was so ticked off at the government. I don't care who was in there. He was so mad at the president, no matter who was in there, you know. And I thought, because he had a chip on his shoulder, all right. And I thought, all you're going to do is allow that chip on your shoulder to hold back and hinder your prayers from being answered. You know, the Bible says that, that uh, even concerning husbands and wives. Amen. Everybody say, ouch. <laughs> it talks about in Ephesians that you come together, that your prayers be not hindered, that your 
a bitterness, a root of bitterness springing up, the Bible says, can defile many. Okay? So, uh, the best thing is, now that doesn't mean, uh, let me just clear something up here. That doesn't mean if you forgive someone, that doesn't mean that you're to fully trust them. There's a difference. There's a big difference between trusting someone and forgiving somebody. Now, if I was to do a business deal with somebody, you know, and they, they took, you know, they lied to me and they, you know, basically stole money from me, you know, if that happened, I'll forgive them, but I'll be, I will not do business with them again. Are you with me now? Because trust has to be earned, all right? But forgiveness is another thing entirely. Amen? Now, the reason that God wants us to stay in forgiveness, you know, he that will love life and see many days, the Bible says, Peter said, he said, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him seek peace and ensue it for the eyes of the Lord upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. Amen? That we are to, you know, Bless them that curse us and not return rail for rail. Someone accuses us. We're not to return that to them. Someone says something ugly about you, you know, that you don't want to just jump on that and get back on them, okay? Because it takes us out from underneath the blessing. And you see, once we have a revelation of this, like this woman right here, she could have easily allowed offense in this situation, but she pushed aside her feelings her five senses. And she said, you know what? All I know is my daughter is demon possessed. And that's not a pretty picture. But I want help for her. You can see her love for her daughter. She wanted her to get help supernaturally. And Jesus said, you know, it's not right to give the children's bread to the dogs. She goes, well, that's true. She says, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. See, one crumb from heaven can heal you. <laughs> it's the crumbs here are likened to healing and deliverance right here. Isn't that true? And, uh, but Jesus made this statement. He said in verse 29, For this saying, go thy way, the devil has gone out of your daughter. Now, think about this. Jesus wasn't even present with her daughter. They were somewhere off somewhere else. She, he didn't have to be physically right there to minister to her. Folks, when you speak God's Word and you speak words of faith, there's no distance in the realm of the Spirit. You can have a loved one that's halfway around the world, over in China <laughs> or Australia or something like that. There's no distance in the realm of the Spirit. But Jesus said for this saying, well, what was the saying? Lord, the dogs eat even the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Can you see her determination? Her determination. She was determined. Say determined. determined. All right. All these people that we're reading about, they had obstacles. They had opposition that came against them. Okay? So don't be surprised when you step out to believe God for anything and you have opposition come against you. Don't be surprised. Amen? Amen? That's of little difference to the Lord. He's going to make a way. He's going to make a way. And I wonder today if God is saying, I want somebody to say what I say in my word so that I, you can be justified by your sayings. By your words you're justified, by your words you're condemned. Amen? And this woman said, yep, Lord, even the, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. I bet she's glad she said that. 
because the end result was she went home and found out that the very same time, when they matched times, the very same time that she went home, found out from those in the house that her daughter was made normal from that moment forward. Praise God. So your words that you speak, God's words that you speak, can affect without time or without distance. Glory to God. It'll make a huge difference. Now, we're going to look at one more one more account today of, of a different person here, and then we're just out of time here today. But in Mark chapter 5, Mark chapter 5, now any, that, that, again, we're seeing a pattern with each one of these cases that we're hearing, like blind Bartimaeus, the guy that was uh, on the stretcher. Well, I wish we had time to get back into that, but uh, we covered that last week. They were determined because when they got to the house, there were so many people, there was no way to get in the house. And the Bible says they sought means. In other words, they tried to figure out how can we get to Jesus. Someone came up with the idea, well, there's nobody on the roof. So if we get up on the roof, we'll just cut a hole in the roof, make a skylight. And they lowered their friend down, four of their friends lowered this guy down on a pallet. Okay? In Jesus' midst. Well, the end result was... He said, Sons, be, the, your sins are forgiven, and I say unto you, rise up and walk. And he picked his bed. Now, he was lowered by his bed, but the end of, by the end of that account, that situation, he was carrying his bed out. Now, this bed was carrying him when he came in. Now, he's carrying the bed, the thing that he was laid up on. So, there was, there were, they had to be determined. They had resistance. Some of you have to work through sometimes even a doctor's uh, report. Now, doctors, we respect doctors. We love doctors. We need good doctors. We do. But they're not, their word is not final authority. Their word is not final authority. Amen? When I had the, the head neurosurgeon in Pittsburgh come to me and said, we have to operate on your brain. We have to cut your brain open, your skull open. We have to go in and do something. That word carried a lot of weight. Because I had other people coming in the room that said, yep, he's the best. He's the best in the city of Pittsburgh. You know what I'm saying? Now, I had a choice to make. And that choice, I had to get alone with God and say, okay, now, Lord, what do you want me to do here? Now, I did not have a peace in my heart about going through with the surgery. I didn't have a peace about it. Now, I wasn't chicken. I wasn't afraid. I would have done it if the Lord wanted me to. But I did not have a peace. In fact, I felt sick to my stomach over the thought of going through with the surgery. And we went home, we prayed about it, you know. Now, the end of the, the, end of the story is I stand here completely healed, did not go, didn't have to go through the surgery. I stand here completely healed, made healthy. Amen. And I was attacked. Some of you were in the service on, on uh, Christmas Eve service about four years ago, right before I got to the service had this situation took place. And I was banging into people in the hallway. I couldn't get my, I couldn't see correctly, couldn't drive. And here I am preaching my Christmas Eve service. How many remember that? <laughs> and we had a dinner afterwards. But when you face adversity in life, you're more than just a body. Everybody see me up here? You're just seeing my body. You don't see my spirit. 
The real me is looking out these windows, these blue windows, okay? That's the real me. And when you face adversity in life, you begin to realize, I'm more than just the body. I'm a spirit. I'm a spirit. Hallelujah. And I, that's when you begin to home in and you begin to realize, what is in my heart? What do I believe? Amen? And so I started to make some declarations, not in panic, not in fear, but just quietly to myself there in the hospital. And I said, okay, Father, I've been preaching this. I believe this. I believe that your wounds, by your wounds, by your stripes, I was healed 2,000 years ago. I thank you for Matthew 8, 17 that says that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses in 1 Peter 2, 24 and by his stripes I was healed 2,000 years ago. I'm not going to get healed. I was healed 2,000 years ago. Now if I would ask my body at that time because I still had all the symptoms. I couldn't even walk straight. If I asked my body, body are you healed? My body would say nope. But I went to the Bible, the Word of God. I said, Bible, what do you say about me? That's the thing. Jesus Christ, who is the Word, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? The natural, evidence, natural evidence said, you're not healed, Keith. You've got all these major symptoms here. You heard what the doctor said. You heard what the surgeon said. No disrespect to them. They're just doing their job. You know, they ran the MRIs and all the different tests and so forth and so on. And I respect that, okay? But I had to get to the point where I say, you know, what do I believe? I believe the Word of God. No wonder Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 53, he says, Who hath believed our report? The Lord's saying that. Who hath believed our report? And then he goes on to talk about, by his stripes we're healed. He was wounded for our transgression. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. So if we look to the Word of God, and we look to the Word alone as final authority, the Word of God is just as real as if Jesus Christ appeared in the flesh in this room right now. You know, I know that. I sense in my spirit. You're drawing and you're pulling on the Word of God this morning. I know it. I sense it. Keep doing that. Amen? I'll let you go at 4 o'clock today. <laughs> but what good is the Word of God if it doesn't work for us? If the Word of God is not true, then we need to throw it away. If there's one lie in the Word of God... We need to trash it. No disrespect. But if there's lies in the Bible, then why are we... Well, there isn't any. That's my point. Everything God says is the truth. Thy word, Jesus said, thy word is truth in John 17, 17. There's no lies. It's all truth. And I tell you, when God speaks to you... Now, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of truth. Is he not? When he comes, he will guide you and lead you into all truth, the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit, I got on this a few weeks ago, you know, and we'll get to this chapter next week. We, we're not going to have time here today. Okay, Mark chapter 5. But when you read the Bible, the Bible is the truth. 
It's always the truth. Say, the Word of God, the Word of God is the truth. There's no lies in it. Okay? So you don't have to look through it like, I wonder if that's true. I wonder if that's true. Turn the page. I wonder if that's true. You don't have to guess that the Word of God is the truth. Now here's something else. That the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. And when He speaks to you, He's speaking the truth to you so that a lie will not deceive you. Okay? Let me give you an example. Yes, we have the Word of God. We're governed by the Word of God. But you know what? The Bible says it's the Spirit that quickens us. The Holy Spirit quickens us. And you can have a personal relationship with God through the person of the Holy Spirit because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit does not even speak on His own initiative or His own accord. But He speaks only what He hears the Father speaks. Now when you say something like a Christian says, the Lord spoke to me, He did speak to you via the Holy Spirit who receives directly from the Father. So the Holy Ghost is not doing His own show, so to speak. He is not out there doing His own thing. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all in one accord, all in unity. And the Holy Ghost will only say what He hears the Father say. Didn't Jesus even say that? I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see the Father do. Okay? Well, that's Jesus, correct. But He's showing us how to operate in this earth because you and I have somebody living. If you're a believer, if you've got somebody living on the inside of you that will make all the difference in the world in your life when it comes to choices and decisions and, and, and uh, situations you come up against, you're like baffled, I don't know what to do. Listen, you've got an anointing from the Bible says you have an anointing. You have an unction to function. <laughs> it says you have an unction from the Holy One. You know all things. Now situations can lie to you. Circumstances can lie to you. You can be in a situation where it looks like all the evidence is pointing like Oh, this is really not good right now. But if you inquire the Lord, if you inquire the Lord in your spirit, and you check your spirit. How many of you ever heard of Keith Moore before? What a blessing he is. Now, I've, I heard him personally get criticized from other ministers because he would say things like this. People would say, Brother Keith, are you going to this meeting? Are you going here? Are you, in other words, uh, seemingly small decisions. And he would say this. He said, well, let me, I'm going to check with my spirit. He said, I'm going to check with my spirit. And I heard people actually ridicule him for saying, what do you mean check with your spirit? Well, let me tell you something. The Holy Ghost is so smart. He knows all things. He knows what's up ahead. He knows what's behind. And he is doing his best to keep you and I out of troubled waters. <laughs> Amen. The Bible talks about inquiring of the Lord and, you know, looking to the Lord. And uh, that's not being weird or spooky spiritually. It's just checking with the, there's somebody that lives on the inside of you. You know, God, you live in there. Should I do this? Should I not do this? Is this the right time to do this? Is this the wrong time for me to do this? And uh, when you inquire of Him on the inside of you, He will direct your steps. He will direct your steps. The spirit of truth abides in you. Now sometimes somebody could do something to you 
and it hurts you or offended you in some way or some form or some fashion. And, uh, but if you inquire the Holy Ghost to ask, no, Lord, help me in this situation right now. Sometimes somebody doesn't respond to you the way you think they should respond to you, and you don't even realize they're going through a real test and trial right now. This happened to me a, a few weeks ago. And I, I asked the Lord about it, and the Lord, I, you know, because I tried to contact somebody, not in our church, okay, I don't want to give the false impression, but somebody outside the church, and uh, they weren't responding. And I thought, I thought, what's going on here? The Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. He said, they're going through a real test right now. Pray for them right now. So I did. Well, shortly after that happened, I found out through them, that's exactly what was going on. That's exactly what was going on. See, the spirit of truth will keep you from error. The spirit of truth will keep you from being offended. The spirit of truth will keep you from making wrong choices and wrong decisions. We just have to listen to them. Amen? The Spirit of truth lives in me, abides in me, and teaches me all things. He wants to teach us. You know the Holy Spirit loves to teach? You know, you're never going to see the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit with the arm tied behind their back wanting to, you know, they have to do something. No, they want to do something. You've seen people being forced to do things, right? (laughs) But I'll tell you, the angels, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they delight, the angels of heaven that have been sent for us, they delight in doing what they're doing. They love their job. The Holy Spirit loves to teach. He loves to teach you the truth. My goal today really is when we leave here today, for, you know, throughout this week, is that we become more conscientious of the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of us that throughout this week we'll be inquiring of Him when we're driving down the road. I talk to the Lord all the time. All the time. I think that's what the Bible means when it says pray without ceasing. Have an attitude of prayer. It's it's easier to pray when we're in church and praise God for that. But when we leave here, we need to be inquiring of the Lord, seeking the Lord, asking Him, Lord, I thank You. Be practicing His presence. Practicing His presence every day, every minute, every hour. Let's just praise Him for that right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask you this question. Should we be surprised... If the Holy Ghost talks to us. No. Should we be surprised if God says something to us in church? No. That should be the norm. Should we be taken by surprise if during Tuesday or Wednesday the Lord speaks to us? No, He wants to talk to us. He wants to speak to us. He wants to encourage us. And if we'll allow Him, I don't know anybody that's a greater encourager than the Holy Spirit. I mean, it just boggles my mind sometimes to realize how positive He is. The Holy Spirit, totally God, through the Holy Spirit, believes in you when you don't even believe in yourself. 
When you think you've failed so many times, there's no way you can come back. He still stands there. He's the biggest cheerleader that exists. He said, you can do this. Get back up. Come on, we can do this. We can make this. Even if you failed so many times, it doesn't matter. The Lord will never give up on you. He'll never quit on you. He'll never give up. Never throw the towel in and say, ah, that's it. They're finished. Quite the contrary. The Spirit of God believes in every one of you in this room. He has absolute faith. He's given, he's committed to you 100%. He's given everything. He's put everything into you. He is not about to give up. He's not about to quit. He's invested. That's the word. He has invested everything in you, so much so that he cannot walk away from that. He's invested His Word. He's invested His Spirit. He's invested the Holy Ghost on the inside of you to lead you, to guide you into all truth. Hallelujah. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Scripture says. Say, my body is the temple of the Spirit of God. He lives in me. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'll say that. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Somebody is right now being delivered from severe headaches. You've been having some headaches lately more than usual. And right now, I release the word that the Holy Spirit just gave me right now. You are loosed from that right now. You are free from that headache, those headaches that keep coming back, reoccurring. You are loosed from that right now in the name of Jesus. So if that's you, you just go ahead and receive. Say, that's mine. I take it now. Thank you, Lord. No, we're not buying the lie that that's, we have to deal with that. That's been a part of our lives. Nope, Jesus did not want you to have headaches. He took your pains, tarried your disease and sickness and pains. Headaches are under the curse. So, Lord, we release that right now in Jesus' name. Secondly, there's someone here that's been having sinus issues flare up as of late. And I see the anointing of the Holy Spirit working in your sinuses right now. That's those cavities in your head right now, the sinus cavities right now to be healed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Receive it right now. You say, well, what, what's my response? Just receive it. Say, I take it. I take it, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, they might have been connected, the headaches and the sinuses. That might have been connected. I didn't think of that till right now. But the Lord just separated them. But the end result is you are healed. You are made whole. You are made strong because He loves you. This is an act of God's love to you. He loves you. And He's releasing the gifts of healings right now for you right now. Whatever it is you need from God, even if it wasn't called out, it still belongs to you. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
Let's just lift our voice up for a minute here and just pray in the Spirit. We praise you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. 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 There'll become a today, there's, from this moment forward, there's going to be a new awareness of the fresh. You, some of you have been baptized in the Spirit for many years. But there's going to come a new awareness It won't just serve us here and now and then. It'll be constantly in your heart, in your mind. I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit. I've got the Holy Ghost inside me. Hallelujah. And it will revolutionize and it will transform the way you think, the way you act, the way you conduct yourself throughout the week. You'll realize that you're not in this alone. You're not doing this by yourself. You're not doing it in your own strength. For it's not by your might, it's not by your power, but it's by the Holy Ghost that these things are being done. Praise you, Lord. 